Hey, Steve here, and uh, I've been gone for a little bit. Sorry about that. I had some major surgery take place, and uh, I'm working my way back. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, um, I'll have some recordings that I had uh, completed but not gotten a chance to publish yet. And uh, just want to let you all know that soon I'll be re um, recording again and, uh, and uh, doing everything else, and hopefully my voice will be returning back as well. But uh, looking forward to uh, joining you again. Thanks so much for... Uh, Staying put and, and welcoming me back into your uh, into your lives. So uh, uh, more of uh, teaching, learning, leading K twelve on its way. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to now, shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Kristen Walter, Director, U.S. Programs at World Reader. World Reader is a global nonprofit that uses 21st technology to deliver a digital library to children in the U.S. and around the world. Their focus is on underserved communities. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. No, by, by, by the way, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmiletto.com slash reviews, and left a review. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. You're so cool. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that will be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmiletto.com, slash sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Joining me here today is Kristen Walter, Director U.S. Programs at World Reader. Kristen has more than 20 years of educational experience and was most recently the Director of Education and Partnerships for Reading in Motion, and before that, the Teaching and Learning Manager for Crayola Education. She also worked for over 15 years as a certified art and music instructor in North Carolina. Kristen helped her school become a national Title I school, P21 Exemplar School, a finalist award in Intel Schools of Distinction Math and Science Award, and win the National School Change Award. She has been recognized as a Yale Distinguished Music Educator, and both Kristen and her fifth grade uh, uh, students were invited by the President's Committee on the Arts and Humanities to showcase 
an economics and game design project at the first annual White House Arts Integration Fair. Today, she joins us to talk about her work at World Reader. World Reader is a global nonprofit headquartered in San Francisco. World Reader uses 21st century technology to deliver a digital library to children around the world and in the United States. Its goal is to support vulnerable and underserved communities with digital reading solutions that help improve learning outcomes, workforce readiness, and gender equity. Kristen, it is so awesome to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining me and say hi to everyone. Sure, thank you for having us, we're, I'm, or having me. I'm very excited to talk about World Reader and the work we're doing here in the United States. Well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, but before I go anywhere else, can I ask you, what what do you like about, because you spent a while teaching kids, 15 years. What do you like about teaching kids? I loved how earnest children are and how, you know, it, it's what you see is what you get. But also just, I loved being in the classroom. I love seeing the aha moment, moments. I love learning from my students and just really thinking about the thinking of education and the pedagogy of um, how, the problem solving of how to, you know, have children understand and retain the information that we have. And just also, you know, I, I really love the behavior aspect. I love setting up classroom culture and, you know, seeing everyone belong in our classroom. That's awesome. It's, that's so cool. And it, and it's neat because you were art and music. And uh, so that's, that's another cool aspect of it, which is, uh, um, right. Exactly. And so arts integration was really what I did a lot of my last few years in, uh, in my teaching career. So really looking at, I worked in a school with a large number of uh, second language learners. And so really, how can we use the arts for children, children to show their understanding of the content and really have deep conversations about the choices they were making? So a strong believer in that. That's excellent. That's excellent. And boy, were you involved in some cool stuff? I mean, it, the, uh, in, in helping your, your school receive all those, those awards and distinction, that's, that's, Awesome. So congrats. Absolutely. We had a phenomenal team and a phenomenal leader. And so just, I think all the right, uh, all the right things in place. And, you know, we were a really small rural, rural school in Henderson County, North Carolina, and um, just looked outside the box to do what was best for students. Excellent. Love it. So let's, let's get into world reader today. Uh, What's world readers mission. I mean, what's, what's it all about? What's it's why? So our why is to really, we work globally, so we've just started in the United States, but we really work globally to support literacy access through a digital reading solution for students who may not have any access or children who may not have any access to books. Um, And so it's really thinking about um, gender equity, how can stories, uh, how can children learn through stories, thinking about social emotional learning through stories, play-based learning through stories, um, but really using a digital solution to help improve literacy outcomes for students. Excellent. I, you know, one of the things that uh, I got to ask, so how does, I mean, how does the, can you explain to the listeners how your organization works? I mean, how do you connect with young readers? I mean, how do they access the library? Sure. So anyone can access um, the library at, B, at bbooksmart.org. Um, that will take you on a mobile phone. If you're on a phone, a tablet, or a Chromebook, you can um, pull the library up. So sometimes our, our readers will work directly through us and access that mobile library. Um, we have a book of the week that we push out uh, that's bilingual. So we have a book in English and a book in Spanish. And, and then we have family engagement activities with, with each of those books. But we also work through partners. So we have a couple of really strong partnerships across the country. Um, we've found that we get the most traction on digital reading if we work with someone who has on the ground programming. So they may have in-person book access programming, they may be a school, but really it's that call to action that drives digital reading engagement that we're after. Love it. 
It, this is so, so cool because we're going to get into, I, I love the, the thoughts of helping kids want to find reading because it's, you know, I enjoy reading. And what's funny is over the ages, I've gotten better at reading. <laughs> I should say that better. I, I get, I've gotten faster, I, I guess is my point. Whereas uh, even though as a kid, I loved reading, it was, uh, I was slow at it. And it, uh, so it kind of, <laughs> sometimes it, you know, so anyway, developing that love of reading is so awesome to be able to help kids do that. Well, and on a, a mobile device, you have such a wide variety of books. You know, we, we have over 400 books that students can choose from. We have books in Spanish, we have books in English. And, um, you know, I think that if it's, if reading comes hard to you and you find a book that you like a, a subject that you really want to dig deep in, suddenly you can, I think it, it's very motivating to read something that might be harder than others thought you, that you are capable of. And I, I love to see that when students um, find a book series or a book that they like that, you know, would never be in the level that they're pushed towards. And suddenly they're reading really hard content because they're super motivated to do it. That's awesome. And and it's really cool because you can kind of pick and choose. I mean, the technology has to really play a neat role there. But before we go there, though, what I want to ask you is, uh, so you kind of mentioned this a second ago. Uh, until now, um, the, the program has been focused abroad and uh, now um, it is expanding. World Readers expanding into the United States. Uh, where is it that you see the need the most? And you know, what's this like kind of moving into the U.S.? Sure. So in the U.S., we um, we work in very rural areas, so areas that have very low connectivity. Um, that was sort of the impetus for coming to the United States is just especially with COVID and schools being closed, students having less access to books, especially if they were in a, an area that had low broadband access. Um, and surprisingly, very urban areas have low broadband access, just like very rural areas have low broadband access. And so with a mobile device, which almost everyone has in the home, um, families could download a week, a week worth of books um, on their mobile device and read them in the home. So connectivity, you know, we were trying to take the barrier of books, book access um, that connectivity can, can you know, present and just really removing that. Um, but we do see book deserts in places where, um, and I think book deserts, you know, it, it may be a physical thing, but it also may not be physical. Um, so I think in areas where you may not have access to a library, you have to drive a long way to a library. So suddenly, you know, imagine a family where uh, parents are working multiple jobs, they come home, it's very late at night, and suddenly you have to load children into the car and drive to a, a physical library. Um, and we know a lot of libraries have apps, but you also have to register. Um, and so because the way of our, our app works, we were very intentional not to require families to register to read the books. And so sometimes if registration presents a, a barrier, that could be a book desert um, for families. So really, we were designed to um, have no registration, families be on in a book in two clicks, um, and then have those activities available to sort of usher a family through discussing um, what's happening in the book. That's awesome. I, you know, it's, I, I think about it as, as a little kid, I look forward to those trips to the library. Actually, when I was a little kid, there was something called a bookmobile and the bookmobile came to not too far from my school. And so on Mondays, that's where I, I just go straight there. And uh, just a side note, my parents always made sure I had a little bit of money because there was a 7-Eleven right next to it. <laughs> but <laughs> so Slurpee time. Um, this is show is not right. sponsored by 7-Eleven or Slurpee. So I just, <laughs> anyway, but the, the cool things that are associated with books is what I'm talking about here. And I, and so the being able to read and, you know, one of the th terms you're using is book deserts, which just saddens me that, uh, because I grew up surrounded 
with books or the idea to be able to access to them and be able to go places or parents and relatives who gave me books and stuff like this. And um, can we talk a little bit more about that? I mean, because it's, it's a term you're using that we're going to use a little bit more here in just a minute. Uh, but there, actually, there's nothing there. Huh? Right. Well, and that's I mean, that's the thing I, you know, I, too, grew up in a house where um, we were we didn't have a whole lot. But, you know, my mother made sure that we had a library card as soon as we were old enough and able. I think even before I could read, I had a library card and we went to story time every week and she made sure that we were you know, that was a really important part of our lives. And, you know, my own children have done the same thing. Um, and we work with libraries as well. So it's, you know, definitely we support uh, people reading in their local libraries. I think it's a great community center. Uh, we just want to extend that work and that opportunity um, for families to read. And so, you know, I, when I think about book deserts, it could be something even like a language barrier in your home. You know, if, if you don't have a lot of Spanish books that are accessible, but, you know, as a student, you may speak English, you may be able to read in English, but if your parents can't read in English, they can't, you know, they're not able to equitably support you in your at-home reading practice as someone's parents who do speak English. Um, and so, you know, I think that that is another sort of a desert that, you know, families are, are facing. Um, so yeah, when, when we think about book deserts, there's lots of different, you know, scenarios, children in shelters, you know, when you have a mobile library, um, you can always take those books with you, even if your family is in transition, I mean, housing transition, it's, you know, if you're not able to carry lots of things with you, but your family has a phone, you still have books that, you know, you like to read. And we all know children like to read the same books over and over and over again. So um, that's a level of comfort that, you know, we, we really want to make sure we're providing as well for those families. That's really awesome. Cause that's, what's cool is the ex being able to access this incredible library that uh, even like you said, if you're on the move and going from apartment to apartment or a, a different homes, different places, or uh, you know, you, you should still be able to have access to that, which is what a cool thing, as opposed to having to take a truckload of books with you. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> I like that. So how is the U.S. program going to differ from the, the previous program that was just outside the U.S.? Sure. So the uh, the outside of the U.S. programs are very, um, very design specific or partner specific. Um, you know, I think they tend, tend to have a, a term limit. Um, and in the U.S., our program is 12 months. It, it went on a 12-month calendar, which we've actually just started. So that anytime a family enters into our reading program, you know, they're all seeing the same books. It, it doesn't feel like you miss something if you're, you know, if you enter in November versus in October. It's always weekly books pushed out every month um, that you can see and that you can access. So that's a, something that's a little different in the United States than in the other countries. And then every book in the United States that we have, every weekly book, we have over 400 titles, but, you know, obviously that weekly book that we really help target families towards um, has a has three family engagement activities with it. So the first activity is always about a reading skill enhancement. So it might be fluency, it might be phonics, just depending on the age of the child. Um, and then there's always a, a social emotional learning activity that's very age appropriate. But just, you know, thinking about self-awareness or how you engage with the community at large. And then there's always, which is my favorite being an arts person, is a play-based activity um, that goes with that specific book. So it may be designing a game based on what the characters were doing. Or, you know, I think one of them, we have a really great book about a sock who's lost its mate and he travels across the city. Um, but the game to go with that is sock bowling, you know, and th really thinking about that sock. Um, and so it, it takes, you know, families out of the app to do a, a bonding activity together. 
That's awesome. And, and, and actually, now you, you kind of just left off there where someplace I wanted to go is that, uh, can we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what role a parent or adult could play with, you know, with their child and these activities? Sure, absolutely. So I would say, you know, when I think about read alouds, because a lot of our books, especially for young children, are designed to be read alouds. We do have decodable books so that children can read to themselves, especially as they're learning to read to build confidence. But a lot of our um, three to five year old books are are, you know, more complex words. They're very child appropriate stories, but they're really designed for parents or grandparents or caregivers to read to a child or even teachers in small groups to read to children. Um, and so when I think about what parents can do, even if a parent has low access to literacy skills themselves, um, we still want them to be able to talk about what they're seeing in the illustrations. Um, so it may be that a parent could read the prompt uh, and you know talk about what the character is doing. So if it's a comprehension question, it might be, you know, tell me what happened at the beginning of that story. Or do you remember what happened? You know, we have this picture about Lara, the, the ladybird, you know, tell, you know, think about what happened to Lara um, before she painted her wings from yellow to red. You know, it's just, it's really developing those oral skills that we get around storytelling. Um, but then just the bonding of, you know, reading together that's a collaborative activity versus reading by yourself that's a solo activity and so really that collaboration we want to see between caregiver and child um, not only for the reading benefit but for the emotional bonding benefit as well yeah i think that's a big deal right there because that's uh with my own kids when they're uh, little that's a that's a fun time we can read with them and and uh and have especially if they're young enough to let you be goofy and Right. And uh, make voices and uh, <laughs> and point out certain things about what's going on in this story that you think is funny or, or unique or interesting. Uh, you know, there's some favorite moments in uh, the reading of uh, some books that I'll <laughs> never forget that stick in my head just because of that that type of that bonding that you're talking about, which is awesome. Well, and I think that read alouds really fade off after age seven. But, you know, as as adults, we love to read or we love to read. Yes. But I love to listen to books on tape. And so oh, well, I say tape. That's a, I just aged myself. <laughs> <laughs> All is good. All is good. <laughs> um, you know, I think children still love to be read aloud to even after, you know, they're in second grade. Um, so even if they don't have young siblings in the house, but it's really parents, I think are very reverent about reading instruction. And so anytime as adults, we can model being silly in a book or, you know, using a prompt and then it tells you to use a silly voice and why that's important. You know, I think, I think those are good things to know. I think so too. I think it's cool. And, uh, what, it, what a cool way of, you know, if parent understands that this is, this is not just meant to be your kids separate time. I mean, if you guys can do that together, there's some cool, fun things you'll remember. And, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> there's a, and, you know, not that, uh, it has to be all these different titles or whatever, but uh, I can tell you one of my all time favorite titles was a book called little critter. Mm -hmm. And there were tons of them. And my, you know, my sons loved those are yes. those types of books read over again, but the imagery in there was so awesome. And so you kind of pointed out, like, if he's talking about not liking something, the face on him was awesome. I said, check out that face, man. Ooh, I don't like that, you know, or whatever. So, uh, good stuff. That's, uh, all, I, I love the idea of a, a parent having, spending that time because I think the children are going to have fond memories of it as well as the adult, as well as going to help them pay attention to some of the nuances that <laughs> the, the artist included or the writer included, they may not pay attention to. So I love that. Good yeah, stuff. Conversation around is is fantastic. The uh, so tell me, uh, um, 
you have a lot of partnerships that are in organizations that involve that are involved with uh, World Reader. Can you talk about what they do, what they pl- you know, what role they play? Sure. So, um, you know, we have this standalone library, but we what we really value are these partnerships that we have. So we work with organizations like Reading Partners or Raising a Reader, who may be national partners. And, and, you know, World Vision is another one of our national partners, but they have relationships directly with families on the ground and in person. Um, and as a former educator, you know, how, or for me as a former educator, I always realized how important it was to have a relationship with students, that if I could make a connection with the child, they were so much more motivated to sit in my room and listen to what I had to say. And we had that mutual respect for each other. Um, it's the same thing when we work with on the ground partners, they've developed a relationship with the families. And so the families trust what that person has to say, whether it's a teacher, you know, who's seen as the trusted um, literacy expert, whether it's a program leader that's in an out of school organization, Um, but it's really extending the work that they do. So pre-COVID, they may have done everything in person, but suddenly they need a digital arm, you know, whereas you can't, you may not be able to deliver books um, in person all the time. So, you know, now we have a a digital solution for that. And it's just increasing the number of books that are accessible to families, especially our Spanish speaking families, um, and then adding those activities to the books. So it just makes programming, it gives a depth to programming there a little bit. Love it. Love it. You know, there's, there's so much going on here. And, you know, one of the things that World Reader is committed to doing is offering children's stories that address global themes. Uh, can you give me an idea of what you what what I'm talking about here and uh, and if it differs from country to country? Sure. So it's really the library that we have in the United States. One of the things that makes it unique is that it's a global library. So a lot of our stories come from Africa or they come from India. Um, we just actually launched a partnership with Ashoka on change makers. Uh, so we have a new series of books. One of them is my favorite called Project Moo, um, but it's children who have seen, you know, like real children who have seen an issue in the area where they live. Um, and so they've used their voice as a leader or as a change maker to offer a solution and it comes to fruition and it betters the lives of anyone and everyone around them. Um, Project Moo is about a young girl who saw that the cows were not uh, being treated, not that they were being mistreated, they just weren't being super well cared for in her village. And so the milk production was down. And so the whole village was suffering from that. And so she came up with a plan, you know, that wasn't really taking a whole lot of time away from the farmers and easy to implement where that suddenly the cows are being taken care of a lot better. And then the milk production went up and the whole, it made the whole area prosperous. Um, and then at the end of the book, there's a picture of the actual girl who is, you know, the the change maker in that story. Um, and so I think those kinds of ideas are global themes. You know, how can you as a child use your voice as a leader to make, you know, to change, um, to make change? We have social emotional learning themes that go throughout. Those are pretty universal in a lot of our countries. Um, we have some gender equity themes. We have a women in sports um, series, which I think is really wonderful. Uh, one of my favorite books from that is called Thandie's Mountain Bike, about a girl who discovers a bike, and it's so much easier to get around her village, you know, riding this bicycle, which was hard to do, and, you know, then she becomes an Olympic champion um, for mountain biking. So it's, you know, we really lean into those choices or into those ideas on gender equity, social emotional learning, and then just this new series of change makers, I think is really powerful. So it's, are great themes for children to, to explore. Very cool. Love that. The, you know, one of the things that uh, we talked about a little bit ago is uh, we got into this idea of how technology is helping 
kind of eliminate some of these book deserts. And one of the things that I understand is that, uh, you know, something that uh, helps overcome this are the use of smartphones. Can we talk a little bit about that role that uh, World Reader and smartphones play together? Sure, absolutely. So our library is designed to be on smartphones. We are on, you can access on tablets and Chromebooks, but we really started on phones and we actually work on feature phones as well as smartphones. So it's just a step below the smartphone. Um, all of our books are available for download. So if a family you know, doesn't have consistent access to Wi-Fi, the internet or cell, cell service, or if they're being really cognizant about how much data they use or you know, balancing multiple children, using a lot of data for learning in the home, you can download those books at any point. Um, but most families, that's the device that most families have access to. A lot of the families that we work with um, may not have access to a computer or a tablet, but they have the smartphone. Um, one of the other reasons that I really like smartphones is, you, you know, think about when parents and children are together and they're watching videos or playing games together. It's usually on a smartphone. And so when I, when I talk to parents about reading on their phone or even reading behaviors, I don't, I don't use language like we're going to add 20 minutes to your day, which I think is important. I think children need to read a lot every day. Um, but it's, you know, this idea of you use your smartphone every day. You do something with your child on your smartphone every day. What if you took five minutes today and instead of watching a video for 20 minutes, you watched a video for 15 minutes and you read on your smartphone for five minutes, you know, or you played a game for 10 minutes and you read for five minutes. And then you increase that every week until you're reading on your phone with your child. Um, another reason I think mobile phones are a really great uh, solution to reading is, you know, I think in the city, we have so many parents who are riding public transportation with their child um, and, you know, it hurts my back to think about all the books that I carry in my book bag. Um, and so, but I want to, you know, I want to see children and parents reading. So you have your phone, you can pull it out and you can, you know, read a book while you're waiting on the bus or reading a book while you're riding the train together. And then the same thing, you know, I see so many parents sitting and, you know, waiting on another sibling for practice. You know, you have your phone with you right there in a full library of books. So it's always a library that's in your pocket or in your, you know, your book bag. Um, pull it out, read for five minutes, read for 10 minutes, but it, you know, it's something we're already using. That's, that's so awesome because it's, it's taking that technology that's readily available. And in many cases, many families <laughs> have their kids with them and everybody else. Right. And uh, so it, it's time to use it for something other than, uh, you know, annoying each other on social media or something like that. Right. So. Absolutely. <laughs> well, when Facebook went down, our reading for that day went up by like 33%, I think. I mean, it was a, a big jump. That's awesome. Uh, just to show you that we're, we're used to looking at our devices. I would love to see a cultural shift that, you know, what are we, you know, a really examination of what are we doing on our devices? Why can't we read on our devices? I like that. I like that a lot. It, one of the things that, uh, We've kind of touched on just a little bit, and uh, but I I see in World Reader's uh, stuff is that uh, you know it, it seems that expanding access to books in non English speaking families, uh, um, native language, you know if we, if we can actually provide that, that it might improve their academic performance, and maybe even get the kids the parents more involved with their kids and their schoolwork and stuff. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? The idea that uh, having the books in their language. Absolutely. So um, it's one of the reasons I love I love that on a mobile solution as well is that um, just thinking even from an equity standpoint, if we're asking parents to read with their children for 20 minutes every day, well, parents who may not read in English, if all the books are in English, suddenly their children are lacking that support. 
you know, 20 minutes a day, every day of the week. Um, that's a tremendous amount of time that those children fall behind. So suddenly if they can choose the book that they want to read, do they want to read it in English? Do they want to read it in Spanish? A lot of our titles are mirrored. So families can choose if they want to read in English and maybe do the activities in Spanish or vice versa. Um, one of the other reasons that we chose to do um, uh, to do the Spanish collection is that when children develop their vocabulary and their native language, you know, I think of it as a root system, they're developing really deep linguistic roots. So suddenly they can, can, can attach more complex vocabulary and complex ideas into their second language. Um, I'm not an engineer, but if I took engineering classes in Spanish and I didn't know that vocabulary in English, it would be very hard for me to grasp those concepts if I didn't know them in my native language or in my home language. Um, so it's just this idea that we're developing very rich vocabulary for children in their first language um, so that they can attach those, those more complex ideas in the second language. I like that. You know, it's, and I, as a note, that's it, one of the ways to help deal with, uh, you know, everywhere, everything from colloquial, colloquial, all right. Local sayings. There <laughs> we go. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I knew I could get that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, okay. I shouldn't, I shouldn't try such fancy words. <laughs> anyway, um, we got, uh, but, uh, in dealing with the just nuances of the, of the language itself, I seen them in writing and such, which, uh, right. I love that. Um, you know, this is, this, I'm about to make the biggest understatement of the year. This has been an, a challenging year for children throughout the world. COVID-19 has been having just a profound effect on children's education, health, nutrition, and well-being. How do you think your program shifted gears so they can continue to serve the kids um, whose, whose needs are so great? Sure. So, you know, just one of the things I think that is just this access to books that you, you know, even if you're in a space in your home, you have access to books that we can continue the habit of reading and we continue to develop those reading behaviors that we want to see in children and in families. Um, we have seen, you know, you can share, I could share my phone with you through the link, through the invite. And suddenly the, if I'm, you know, a teacher and I'm scrambling for read aloud books or to share text, I can share my phone and the text is there. And then the children can read that same book at home. So it's almost like having a classroom set. But when I think about the emotional toll, we're really leaning into our social and emotional learning um, language with the books and those prompts. Every book that we have has a conversation about how do you think the character felt? Um, and just the idea that you can have these complex conversations about a story is so much easier to have than per perhaps in, you know, a real situation in your real life and exploring those themes. I think it, it's just an on-ramp for some difficult conversations. Um, we know reading is a great stress management tool. I think being able to sit and read and decompress uh, is a really great tool, I think, for children who are reading or even for families who are reading together. It's just a way to, you know, immerse yourself in a different world, in someone else's world, uh, especially, again, with this global nature. You know, Suddenly you're reading stories from Africa and India and you're imagining what life like there might be like, or you're reading a character who's having the same kinds of issues that you're having in your life here in the United States. Um, so I think that's another just really great conversation. But, you know, we know that reading loud is is that collaborative activity. And in COVID, we've been so solitary. Um, I think, you know, sometimes even as adults, we're losing that ability to connect well with each other. You know, we're still connecting like this, but in person, there's a negotiation that has to take place. Um, and I think just this idea that you're suddenly reading with someone else, that's a, you know, that's a connection that we're able to provide. That's so cool because, you know, it, and you're right. I mean, the isolation of 
of COVID has made, uh, it's just amazing when people get together now because it's, it's like they've been stranded on a long, on a, on an isolated Island someplace. And they're like, Oh my gosh, there's, there are other humans out there. It's, right. and, and they're not these little bitty boxes. <laughs> right. Well, and I think too, the empathy, like we're the isolation of COVID, I think has really stunted some of our empathy muscles. Um, and so suddenly now, you know, and reading is a really great way to build empathy, but I think, you know, when we're able to be more in person or connect over a shared bonding experience, we're really exercising that empathetic muscle um, intentionally. And I think, I think that's a good thing for everybody. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Chris, uh, uh, we're getting close to closing. And before we, before we do that, it, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? I would say you could go to the World Reader website. You know, it's just worldreader.org. If you wanted to find the books, you could go to bebooksmart.org or you could just reach out to me directly. I'm Kristen at World Reader. Um, and it's K-R-I-S-T-E-N. <laughs> that, that good 1970s spelling of, of the name Kristen. But sure, you know, just reach out to any of us. We we have a great, um, you know, any messages that go on the website, come to me directly. Uh, you know, I'm, they're filtered to me if they're about the United States programming but we have a great website and I just encourage people to check it out. Excellent. And I will put those in the show notes uh, along with your uh, email address so that people can find it rather easily, especially if they're using their phone, listening to my podcast, they yeah. can go right there in the show notes and they'll be able to find you right there. So good stuff. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I got two more questions I like to ask my guests, Kristen. Yeah. And the first one is this, when so much is going on that you might feel overwhelmed, how do you keep from quitting? I think that's a great question, especially, you know, in the, when you work in the nonprofit sector, sector, it can be overwhelming. There's just a lot of need. Um, I like to do two things. I like to practice gratitude very intentionally, and I like to practice perspective and growth mindset. I guess that's three things, but you know, I, I like to think about what am I grateful for today? Um, there's got to be something every day that, that you're grateful for, you know, even a really small thing. I had a really small thing last night. It was that, you know, I just, I discovered a new takeout place and it had empanadas, which I've not had for years. And, and it made my teenage son smile. I was I was grateful for that smile. Um, very grateful for that smile. And then my growth, you know, what did I learn every day? What did I learn from something that may have knocked me down? That's not going to knock me down tomorrow. Um, and that's, you know, I work at a great place and I love the team that I work with. You know, it's just super collaborative. That fuels me. I think looking for those situations that really build you up is important. Um, and then just, you know, thinking about if something is tough, it's a season. It's not my whole life. It's not my whole book. It's just a little chapter. And the next chapter is going to take a turn um, for the better. So I, I'd encourage, you know, listeners to think about those things. Awesome. I love it. it yeah. The last question I have for you, Kristen, is this. Mm -hmm. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? So I loved school. Um, and I know that's not everyone's experience. I loved school. I had a lot of, I had some really tough teachers that I appreciate now, especially when I started teaching, I wanted to call all of my teachers and say, one, I'm sorry. And two, I had no idea how hard you worked <laughs> to, to build me up. Um, I, I, you know, I would say I had a, a teacher in college, Dr. Judy Bowers, who is now retired, who was just phenomenal at, um, you know, meeting life where it was and, you know, instill now, but just inspirational, um, very high expectations, loved her students, connected with students, um, intentional, just super intentionality, but 
Um, and I often, you know, think about anytime I face something that's tough, what would Dr. Powers do? So having, you know, having a teacher that puts a voice in your head, I think is so amazing um, and such a gift. And so um, I would definitely do a shout out to Dr. Bowers and just, a, you know, a thank you for putting me on the path to education. Um, it's just, it's been a, you know, a wonderful thing. Thank you so much for sharing. That's so cool. I, I, I love that. What, it's nice to have that difference maker in your world. So good mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, Kristen, thanks so much for talking with me today. World Reader has an awesome focus. Thanks for sharing with us how it works, expansion plans, and talking about helping kids improve their academic focus. Yeah, I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you. You too. And thanks for having me. This was a delightful conversation. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators. Podcast by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. 